0: Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal? To inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. My guest today is Ben Ward, who produces a podcast called Morning Prayer, using the daily office from the Book of Common Prayer. Ben is a musician, songwriter, and worship leader who's lived in several places and now resides in Atlanta, Georgia. Ben, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here.
0: We are just getting to know one another, so I found you because I came across your Morning Prayer podcast and have really enjoyed that. I wanted to chat with you and see how that came to be and what led you to do that. But before we get there, as we get started, I wonder if you would just share your faith journey growing up.
1: Sure, absolutely. I grew up in South Alabama, pretty small town. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. She taught me the books of the Bible, and I think it was third or fourth grade Sunday school. So I grew up in church, but it wasn't until um, I was in about eighth grade, and I just got involved with some... You know they were good. They were good kids, but they just did stuff that is the worst things you could do in eighth grade, really. You know, sneaking around at night, you know that kind of stuff. But what it did in me was created this sense of conviction. It wasn't necessarily the all this, you know, kind of thing. It just it just made me feel separated from God, and and that was a place. And I think it was more than just those friends. It was just that time God was drawing me to Him. I just really committed my life to Him. I said, I I really want to just. Follow God. I didn't really know what that meant, other than what I'd learned in Sunday school, <laughs> which is a great thing. You know, at least I had some sort of context for it. Um, I just dove in. My family had kind of been going to church off and on during those years, but then we just dove into a new church, and I got real involved in the youth group. And I was like the nerdy youth group guy. You know, I was wearing like all the Christian T-shirts and and to Christian music, and and that was a real pivotal thing for me. I mean, some of it's definitely embarrassing <laughs> when I look back on it but it was it was really a, an integral part of my faith journey i needed that you know i needed to be you know or surrounded by people who were talking about the lord it just really it really grounded me and so yeah. i got really involved in music my youth group leader he he was like hey you you know some guitar chords and literally i knew three barely <laughs> and he was like on our wednesday night bible study would you lead a couple songs and so i was just like Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> having no idea how to do it, and so I just got a little book of integrity songs, you know, and I started. I think I uh, opened my eyes, Lord. Oh, old, old songs, you know, and uh, and from there we just we got the group together. I found a sound system in the closet of the church, and we started having our little crew set up the sound and have a little band, and it was just really the Lord used it to really plug me into a community of faith, and at such a young age, it was just a really really powerful thing. So it just set me on a journey of just really being called the ministry and being called to, um, you know, just work and, and just to love the church too. From there, I, I went on to college and I worked part-time as a youth music director and stuff like that. met my wife whose father and grandfather were ministers. I met my wife in music school. She was an opera singer for 12 years. I did music on the side and all. And then I was a songwriter in Nashville for seven years and I wrote mostly country music. And then I started leading worship again, just on the side, Actually, funny enough, you were talking about the Lutheran um, background. It was a Lutheran church plant in Nashville by a Tanzanian pastor. He uh, oh. was met in the Y, and it was just wildly just eclectic. I mean, you know, just crazy. So, but through that, uh, the Lord really called me back into full-time vocational ministry. I, after that, um, went to Illinois, and then New York. I was there for 10 years as a, a worship pastor, so leading music and all worship arts in general. Uh, I've continued to write songs and do all those music things as well, but that's really been my journey in coming to know the Lord and developing that a part of my life, my, you know, my faith, and but also um, vocationally serving the church and serving people and trying to encourage people as well. So that's kind of a, a nutshell, <laughs> you know, we could talk about it for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it is amazing how the community of faith shapes such different expressions and how we see when you get out and see how different expressions happen, how it enriches what we understand oh, yeah. about the family of God.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I was, it was interesting because in that little church plant, there was a um, Tanzanian. So there's a group of Tanzanians because of the pastor. So a group of Kenyans because they had, you know, I think they knew each other from somewhere in town. And then there was a a, um, a group of Mexicans actually. And that's because there was a former uh, missionary to Mexico who is now the Tyson chicken plant chaplain. And so he had been ministering to them at work. So they started to come to church and then there was this, you know, big bald white guy leading worship <laughs> in the front. and I'll never forget. I tell this story a lot, but I remember on a Christmas Eve service, you know, we just program the, the carols, you know, the, the, and we started singing silent night and I sang it in English. And then all of a sudden one by one, all these different dialects of Swahili would come up and sing their verse in Silent Night. And then all the different things. And then in Spanish and all of these things, it was, it was amazing to me, um, just how beautiful that was and how they had been formed in some way, all probably most of the African immigrants had been formed in some way by a Lutheran touch, you know, just because of that, that's the missionaries had come and, yeah. and had, had, had preached to them and formed churches there. And all. So you're so right. It's, it's amazing. Amazing how that happens.
0: The picture, the biblical picture that's coming to me is Pentecost, you know, and to start to see that, quote, all the nations come together and how, you know, in one song, you hear these different languages happening. What a beautiful picture.
1: You know, I grew up in Alabama in a
0: pretty, I mean, I
1: did know some other, we did have some, you know, people that had immigrated into my town, but it was a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say it was very diverse town. But when I moved to New York City, obviously, that was like, you know, I lived in Queens. I mean, in my neighborhood, you know, I walk out the door and any kind of nationality, any kind of country, you know, it was the nations. And so that really formed me as well. You know, that really just learned to love people and learning to listen to people too and, you know, not be so reactive, be like, well, why did you respond that way? You know, just even little stuff like that. And that, that plays it out in the church as well. Because you know our cultures clash, we don't understand that all the time, I and mean, we we have a kingdom culture that transcends all of that. Absolutely. We want it to, but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's a lot of listening and learning, oh, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you've got to be open to that. But I mean, like you said, that's that's scriptural. When you get to Revelation, you the you know the Lamb, every every, uh, every nation and tribe and tongue. Yeah, um, just I mean that that is also. A witness to the world. You know, people want to talk about evangelism. People want to talk about this. People want to talk about that. It's so hard and the world knows it's so hard. But it's reconciliation you see a
0: re- at its best.
1: If you see a community that's learning to love each other when in reality they shouldn't, when they really shouldn't even be in the same room, that is a testimony. And yeah. you don't have to say anything. I mean, you, you, know, you don't even need an evangelist at that point. <laughs> people will just want to be a part
0: of it. Yeah just reading on your website, you describe a passion for leading people into the presence of God. I wonder if you could just talk about it, maybe describe that and in the times maybe you've seen it really at its best.
1: You know, I have been in many different traditions. I mean, I grew up like Southern Baptist with hymns and the organ and the piano. And then as I got a little bit older into high school, they started having a little orchestra with, you know, like uh, different instruments and um, and then I was really into contemporary Christian music. That was just, you know, I was in the youth group. Um, and then I have lots of friends and have been, you know, in many different streams of, you know, charismatic and Pentecostal uh, worship leaders that I'm friends with. And I've been in those kinds of churches, the Lutheran church that I, you know, alluded to. Um, and my thing is the vehicle, no matter what the songs are, no matter what it is, we are journeying together. It's kind of a paradox because. Scripture says, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. So he's there. It doesn't matter if you feel it. it doesn't matter it, what, you don't have to say magic words. <laughs> you don't have to do all this. He is with us. I love the description my father-in-law says. I even wrote a song about it years ago. But he says, "What the Holy Spirit, Jesus is always there in your meeting when you meet together. He's like, the problem is we make him sit on the back row. And so we have our agenda and we do our thing. And we have this we want to talk about. We want to emphasize this. And. And planning is important. Don't, don't, don't hear me wrong in that. But what he said, what we want to do is in our meetings is not, there's so many songs that say, come Holy Spirit, as if he's not there. He's, you know, he's like, but we want to say, Lord, stand up among us, come to the front and take your place in this meeting. So all eyes are on you, all focus is on you. And when that happens, you know, Jesus talks about when I be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. I mean, he's speaking of being on the cross, of course, on, on one layer. But I think there's also another layer that says when he's worshipped, when he's lifted up, he draws people to himself. And he's so wonderful. And we think about through the ages, we think of the contemplatives. You know, the, the idea is is that we contemplate Jesus. As we contemplate Jesus, we want to be more like him. And then in turn, we are more like him. And so to me, that is what, no matter what the context is, is that we're looking for an opportunity to to worship Jesus. And so my job as a worship leader and different traditions have different uh, ways of manifesting that. Right. So what I do mostly is stand in front of like a five or six piece band, <laughs> you know, that does like pop rock music, you know, uh, with probably with me, a little country flair, cause I can't get it out of me. And then I lead people in worship. It looks very much like a concert, which you have to fight that kind of thing a lot, you know, in our day and age, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you can be whatever your tradition is, whatever the style of music is. My job as a worship leader is I'm the host. So Ephesians says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? And I learned this from my father-in-law as well. You can tell he's a big mentor to me. But he said, he said, I believe from that verse even that we all have a seat in heavenly places. So when we come together, the presence of Jesus is there. We're there together. How can I help you find your seat? That is the job, and when you, that's a metaphor, of course. But like, how? my goal is i'm looking out i'm much better at it when i get to know the people when i have relationships with the people when they're not just faces you know in the crowd um that that takes away that concert aspect you have to know the people and the more you get to know the people the more you can go i know it would help them i know if i said this that would really help them and so i want to help you find your seat now here's the thing i teach worship leaders i say this i say listen you ever been at a dinner party and seeing the person who's responsible, they're running, you know, things have gone wrong. The oven's gone wrong, and, this and that stuff. Sometimes they don't get to sit down and eat. Sometimes they help everybody else have this great time. The goal is that they sit down and enjoy the meal with everyone else. But my job is to minimize distractions, help create an atmosphere. I don't do anything. it's the Holy Spirit, it's God who does all of it, but it's to just issue an invitation and say, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to use the words in the songs. We're going to use prayers. We're going to use, uh, you know, creeds. We're going to use whatever we can use. I love all of it. Videos. I mean, whatever you can dream up, you know. And the message is a part of it, too. Uh, You know, it's not a separate. we got the worship, and we have the message. No, it's all part of it. I mean, then you extrapolate that out. All of life is worship. You know, it's not just this, but our meeting times. And so my job, I always feel, and the worship leader's job, is just to host people to help you find your seat. And so that you take your eyes then off the band and off all the stuff and, or whatever the context is, whatever the tradition, and you just begin to focus on Jesus. And he's the one that does all the work then. So then if there's ministry that needs to happen, then, you know, people's broken, healing of broken hearts. I love to use all these phrases, but even bodies are healing or, or, um, you know, uh, just anxiety, all of these things, you know, he can take care of those, but I want to help you find your seat because you got one. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to me. So it doesn't matter to me. I've stood in front of thousands of people and led worship, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful experience to hear that many people singing. But I love the podcast thing because it's just me, and I don't know how many people are actually listening. You know, I can look at the stats, but I don't really know. You know, you don't really know. And and so you're you're like this, and, or in a small group, you it's just the presence of Jesus. And I just that that's when I talk about it like that. That's what I mean. And that also takes it out of, it has to look like this, or it has to be this style of music, or it has to be this kind of thing. It doesn't matter. You can be singing all hymns, and you sing just all of a sudden the presence of God, and that's what I'm trying to get to.
0: What led you to start the podcast?
1: Good question. So let me give you a little bit of background. I had been in sort of like in New York for about 10 years. Great church, um, but, you know, non-denominational evangelical church. All those things that go with it in the sense of, you know, pretty simple service, a band and media and all that stuff. And then the sermon and that's it, you know, like not a lot of liturgical quote unquote elements. And we could have a deeper discussion on that. There's always liturgy, you know, liturgy just means the work of the people. But, um, but about when my son was born, actually I was out on paternity leave. I had like six weeks off. And I had just always been interested in the daily office from the book of common prayer uh, from the, you know, the Anglican tradition. I, I found an app, that they have an app that makes it kind of easier. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this as kind of like my reading plan kind of thing for a while. And so I started going through it. I just fell in love with it. Most of all, it was really just scripture. First of all, it's an intense amount of scripture actually. And, you know, especially for evangelicals that can sometimes criticize the more liturgical, you know, sacramental traditions. I'm like, well, you guys haven't seen what they're doing because (laughs) they're reading way more scripture sometimes than you guys. So, I started doing it, and it really revolutionized my devotional life. Then it not only revolutionized devotional life, it revolutionized my service planning. I started incorporating prayers, but I try to do it in an evangelical-friendly way. So, you know, I would do it. We'd have great music behind it. So, like, I'm like, you didn't know that you just prayed the uh, prayer of confession from the morning, you know, the daily office morning prayer. (laughs) You didn't know that you just prayed the colic of the day. It really changed. It not only changed, if you're not as familiar with sort of like the evangelical non-denominational stream, that stream of worship leaders, you're always like, oh, I've got to do a hymn like every three weeks. Like literally I had that rule <laughs> because nobody wanted to, to do them because you're doing these really cool like, you know, rock songs and stuff like this, Jesus culture and all this, which I love all that too. So I just, I felt like as I was doing it, I was just like, I started doing a hymn every week and we had a lot of older generation It really started to speak to them. On Long Island where I was, it's 60% Catholic. So you've got to understand a lot of people came from a Catholic background. It just really began to speak to a lot of people, but yet it was palatable to everyone. Fast forward a little bit. Um, We were in New York for almost 10 years. And then I'm originally from the South. My wife's from Texas. Uh, Our parents all live in Alabama. And we have, we have a son who's three. And it was just really hard for him to see them living in New York, (laughs) You, you know, that kind of thing. So We had an opportunity, the Lord opened an opportunity for my wife. Her company opened up a location here in Atlanta where I live now. And so we just felt like it was the right thing. So we moved. So I left my church without a new job. So we moved on May 1st. And so, you know, I started looking for jobs and stuff, but I was like, I really want to continue something. And this is something that I wanted myself because there's times where I didn't have time in the morning to pray the morning prayer or anything like this, read the readings. And I get in the car There's a lot of commuting time in New York and I just wish somebody had one that wasn't necessarily like there's some good live ones from some of the parishes and stuff like that around, but usually the recording quality is not that great. There's one that's really good. It's done by kind of a radio announcer kind of guy. So my thing was, you know what? I have this time and I would, I've always wanted to do this. So I'm just going to start recording the daily office. And so the first couple of weeks I did it. Just with no guitar or anything, I just did it. This was in May. I just did it, just read the office, basically. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to just sing a couple of things because y'all just like to sing. So when I got to the Gloria Patria, I just sang it, you know, just like whatever was in my head. And then I had a little bit of a revelation. And I was like, you know what? I'm not Anglican. I love so much about the tradition. That's just not my tradition. That, that's not it. I can, like someone says, I have a spiritual passport, I can get lots of stamps. You know, I can learn so much from it. But at the core, I grew up, you know, in a sort of evangelical, like, non-liturgical tradition. I just decided I'm going to take the things I love out of the office. I'm going to simplify it, and I'm just going to leave. And so what I did was I started just basically having my guitar. I'll choose one song and one key, one worship song or hymn or whatever I'm feeling. Usually I wake up with a song. I'm like, I'm going to do that one. And I do... Um, just a little bit of music, but I do some elements from the Morning Prayer Daily Office. So I do the Prayer of Confession: the Most Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Then we do the Psalm reading, and then I do the Old Testament, Epistle, and Gospel readings. Now that's morning and evening prayer. But since I'm only doing Morning Prayer, I do all of the readings. And then uh, we do the Glory project, You know, we do the Glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we'll do uh, the Apostles' Creed. All while I'm like, you know, patting it with some of my music and all this kind of stuff. You know, this is because I decided to just do it. And then we'll do the Collect of the Day, which out of the, the Book of Common Prayer, because uh, there's some just amazing prayers, you know, compiled from so many different traditions. Anyway, then what I decided to do, and I just did this on a whim one day. When you get to the Daily Office Morning Prayer, there is a time in the, day, in the morning prayer where it says free confession or free prayer can be made. And so a lot of people don't do a lot of that, you know, but I'm going to tell you, I was with a group of evangelicals who love, who've gotten into liturgical, you know, things. And I was in a meeting with them and we did the daily office together. And because, you know, that's more of my tradition, as much as they wanted to be, you know, like good Anglicans, <laughs> when they got to that point, it was amazing. People started just like, you know, spontaneous prayers and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of inspired by that. And so I just started giving prompts. So basically what I'll do is, I'll just play and I'll say, let's pray for our families. I will actually pray. It's my devotion too. It's not just like a recording. And so then I'll say, pray for extended family, pray for friends and acquaintances and coworkers, pray for enemies. That's a big thing. Jesus commands us to pray for our enemies. And And I I want to
0: tell you that one prompt, that just framed something for me. Mm. And I really appreciate that part Mm. of the prayer prompts.
1: Mm. I I appreciate you saying that because here's the thing. I'll kind of give you just a, a tidbit. That's a big testimony in my life. Uh, several, three or four years ago, I had a just a really bad time. Like It was a big church staff. We had like 20 staff members and stuff. And when you get into that realm, you get into the sort of corporate HR kind of thing, and you're trying to mix ministry with that. It's hard. Yeah, there's just no way around it. And I, I felt like I had been really misunderstood, and they made it really formal at the time. I had a friend. This was right after I actually started praying the daily office. He said, uh, and he was my, one of my really good charismatic friends. And he said, uh, you need to pray for the staff, your, your leaders, and the elders. We had an elder board by name every day and get religious about it. And he was kind of speaking my language because I had started doing this every day. And he said, you need to just pick a phrase. He said, because they've become your enemies. Now, does that mean... They're your lifelong enemies. this, no, no, no. It just means in this situation, you've become adversarial in some ways. They think you've done this. You feel like you haven't done this. This happens all the time, right? And so I, every day, I prayed for them by name. He said, just pick a phrase, whatever you want to be prayed for. So he said, I just pick a phrase sometimes. He said, "What the, uh, the scripture says, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He said, just pray their name. And say, Lord, fill them with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or something I like to be—if I wanted to be prayed for, I'd love for somebody to pray for me and say, um, "May he hear the voice of the Lord today." Gosh, what a great prayer, right? Uh, so I just want—I just pray one by one, and and you have to do it religiously because you have these emotions built up about this person, and how could they possibly think this? And they clearly don't know me, and blah, blah, blah. and so you're just like, name, let me hear the voice of the Lord today. I'm telling you. So basically, they put me on like a a six week kind of like probation thing, and you know, I was like, "This is ridiculous." At the end of it, they were like, "We don't even need to meet." It's so great; they it was as if it never happened. And I had the most fruitful next four years of my ministry that I've ever had there. To the point that when I left, the head of the elders had lunch with me, and he said, "You know, I don't even understand." I remember all that, but what was the deal? I want to hear your perspective on it. I think that that was such a testimony of what Jesus said. Yeah. And I think two things happened. I think it changed me, which prayer does. You know, it forms you. But I also think it changed the situation.
2: Yeah.
1: And and, and not in the ways that you think when you start doing that. Oh, they're going to change their mind and they're going to come to their blah, blah, blah. That may happen. But no, it's so much deeper than that. Like to the point of God, just like He just moves in in the midst of it. Sometimes it's real simple. Like, I think the other day I did one this week, and I said, Why don't you just think of that person that makes you so mad on Facebook with the politics post and they're opposite of you? I don't care what side it's on. Maybe you're liberal and they're conservative. Maybe you're conservative and they're liberal. I'm, I want you to pray for them today and not that they would come to see it your way. Just pray for them. It's just powerful. So, and then I end with just a benediction. What taught me an evangelical that more sacramental liturgical traditions get so well is scripture reading as worship. We don't do that very well in the evangelical church. Everything is to be um, preached and taught and, you know, what's the word, expositive, whatever whatever it is, you know, like like it is meant to be, you know, expunged and, and let's get to the language and let's talk about the context, you know, like all exegesis, all this. What is so beautiful, and I've taught, and I've, I, I hammer on this to my scripture readers and worship now and everything, is that it's, it's, it's the public reading of scripture and it's worship. It is actually meant to just be read. It's not, yes, maybe we'll have a sermon on something similar later. Maybe we'll have a Bible study later. We should do all that. This is not taking away from that. But in the public reading of worship, it's just the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: My prayer life changed, I don't know how many years ago, when I started Kind of what dawned on me one day was, oh, the words of scripture are like God's part of the conversation. Mm, And the words weren't any different. How I came to it was different. How I engaged with the word, because just like a conversation, here are these words. And sometimes what that led me to in prayer was I asked God questions Mm. or I would say to him, okay, wow, I never understood life this way before. Yeah. So my prayer for, for many years was, Lord, if you want me to understand this, you've just got to help me. That's all there yeah.
1: is to it. Uh, absolutely. Oh, or to be like, I, I still don't understand it. It's come around again in the readings. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, but I'm still here with you. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to let the word, I'm going to let it just wash over me and know that, the, you know, like they say, this book is alive. It's It's not it's not necessarily for me to understand everything, but the words of life are in it. And it's just such a powerful thing. There's so many great traditions that, you know, as I got into the book of God prayer, I started, you know, seeing all these other things I heard, um, you know, what is it? The Lectio Lectio Divina. Divina. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you you know, the way of reading scripture or even there's an Ignatius uh, tradition of, you know, putting yourself in the story. I forget what that's called as well. It's just, it's just such a beautiful thing. You know, it's such a, such a great, just wonder, wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. thing.
0: Where do you actually record? Part of what I enjoy is yeah. it just, I'm imagining on your deck or your balcony, yep. I hear sometimes the birds or the the yes. the insects around or the street, whatever's going on in the street.
1: Yep. I'm just out on the balcony. I'm telling you one morning, it was amazing. I was sitting there and, I was, and a hummingbird came. It was just like right around as I was recording and it was just the most beautiful thing that I had ever done. And like I said, we're not like some nature preserve or anything. It's just, just, just being outside is so great. That's one of my favorite things about it. Um, and I would love it when I would edit it because if there was really good, you know, birds or something, you know, I could fade it up or fade it out at the end, you know, just so you could really hear it and be a part of it. And, Cause I want it to be like, like I'm a, I'm a talker clearly. Um, and <laughs> I, my temptation, is to when we read a scripture and something I think some it might be confusing or whatever is to stop and say, Hey, you know what this means? Like this actually means this. I know it sounds like this, but it actually means this. It's been such a great thing for me not to do that.
0: It's just a practice of engaging with God every day yes. and that it's just the word. I yes. I actually really appreciate that there's no preaching around it. It's yeah. just the word that comes through. Yeah,
1: yeah it is. I, um, I, there's a, A couple of things that I love uh, in the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, he does, there's this famous phrase, come bring the unforced rhythms of grace, which is just a phrase that is just, I think it's the come to me all who are weary section. And he said, you know, feel the the unforced rhythms of grace. And to me, that's what it is. It's, it's, you know, sometimes it can, we can force it in the sense of we show up. This is another analogy that Jesus uses a lot that has been so helpful for me in other areas as well. He says, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So, you know, to use that farming analogy where the two oxen in the yoke, you're getting in a yoke with someone. Like when I, just, like, you know, when I was trying to decide whether to go, this, if this church was the right church for me, we're going to get in a yoke together. So it should be not a burden if we're talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But sometimes, let's be honest, you get in the yoke with somebody and all you're doing is pulling both ways and you're never going to get anywhere. But I I remember there's a a great Anglican church in Atlanta. I was able in my, in between churches to visit several churches. And uh, they're a sort of an evangelical Anglican, neo-Anglican church, uh, Anglican church Church of North America. Um, And there was this great, I just started listening to her podcast. She was such a great teacher, but she talked about, she's like, I need, The yoke of the daily office. I need to go, oh, that's what I do at eight, is I do this, whether I feel like it or not. Because as I get into the yoke and I get down and I do this, then we start walking. And then I forget about the yoke.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it sometimes is that commitment to relationship. You know, I think that's a a piece of a devotional rhythm that God is there waiting every day. Uh, and available for me to enter into this relationship. And it's really yes. a, incumbent upon me to step in and say, I'm here today. Let's walk together. There's nothing
1: like being with a good friend or somebody, you know, having a great conversation, even this conversation,
0: you know, and, and you're sitting around
1: and you're, you have a cup of coffee or whatever your thing is to you, you know, and just talking, just, just enjoying the conversation. So much of devotional life to me, yes, there's, the awe and the reverence, of course, that God, I love how God will reveal himself in different ways at different times. And, you know, he does think of the Trinity itself, you know, a father, son, the Holy Spirit, you know, like all comforter, all these different ways that God chooses to reveal himself. But there's just this thing of, I think of someone describing, you know, he's, he's just waiting there. He's got, you know, he's got the coffee ready. You know, that God even he's speaking to us, even in our subconscious, it's mm-hmm. not just, it's it's so deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like we see the song he said. You know, deep cries out to deep as the water falls. And you know, there's a lot of different meanings for that. It's not just the surfacing meaning of that, but that's exactly the point. It's so deep. Right. Like I I'll, I'll, when I'm leading worship, sometimes I'll use that analogy. I'll say the deepest part of me, my spirit. It, it, I want to co- commune with you, the deepest part of you, and the Father is Spirit, and we only worship Him in Spirit. You know, that's the only way you can worship him. You can do all kinds of things. You could praise, you can give Thanksgiving, you can do, which we should do all of that. But when you're going to worship, that is the deepest part of you crying out the deepest part of yeah. who God is. And, that, and he, wants, he wants that. I want to go there. Um, I don't want to just stay on the surface. I want to dive deep. I want to go and it's, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's going to be this. It's also going to be profoundly beautiful. To get to the profoundly beautiful, you also have to go to the profoundly uncomfortable, profoundly hard, and hearty, that is difficult.
0: the kind of paradox of life with God, right? That yes. it, it is getting to that deep place where there's also that—that's the well of joy, yeah. you know. In that in that deep place, I, I was thinking earlier on. You were talking about you know sometimes we don't feel it, and we're we're crying out for the Lord to show up, yeah. and The Lord is there waiting, and I often think, you know, rather than praying, "Lord, give me more of the Holy Spirit." The prayer really should be, "I let you have more of me." Absolutely, deeper access.
1: Absolutely. There's a great song, uh, Jeremy Riddle from Bethel Music. Um, uh, It's a, it's a spirit. It's a kind of a riff on the old hymn, "Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me." Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it almost seems like the same song. It's not, but it's got some of the similar things. But he says this one phrase that I always think about. He says, blow through the caverns of my soul. And to me, I'll never forget worshiping with that song one time and just imagining these places that are yet untapped in me. Just think about the depths of places that are just, and never human eyes have never laid on it. We'll use that metaphor in your own spirit, because it is true. I mean, the scripture talks about it. No one can search. I mean, only God can search the deep places of who we are. And then to even think that we even begin to search the deep places of who he is. And, but like, I think of that, that's a beautiful phrase to me, blow through the caverns of my soul, those places that I don't even know mm-hmm. exist. I mean, you know, we're just, we're just at the beginning. Maybe we have, our, you know, between what 80 and you know if you you go you go up maybe who knows that's just the beginning of what god's work in us is you know like eternity Mm -hmm. i mean just it's just the beginning and so like just allowing him more and more and more and so if you can view devotion times and worship times even as as, is it's a version of that too search my heart god know my inmost thoughts i mean you know, that's Psalm 139. I mean, <laughs> gosh, I mean, you know, David says, no matter where I go, there you are. I mean, I go into the depths of Sheol. I mean, how do you even reconcile that theologically? I don't know. Just that is like, the mystery, right? <laughs> that, that's the mystery. And I think that's why God was, David was a man after God's own heart, because he wasn't a very good person, clearly. <laughs> but like, he was still the man after God's own heart, because he knew how much he was loved no matter what he did. And he knew he could not, it was nothing he could do to get more of it. But right. it was just, he just continued to come back to God over and over again. And the more he came back, the more revelation he got about yeah. what it was like. And I just think there's such a lesson in us for that because, you know, we're, we're always trying to, you know, be better and do better and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. when that's all a fruit of getting to know God more. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, uh, it's amazing.
0: So as you've entered this this season of doing the morning office, the daily office, mm-hmm. What are you hearing back from people who have who are listening to your podcast? Are you getting feedback? Yeah,
1: yeah, I am. I am. It, it's such a different thing. I had a um, a family vlog on YouTube for, for uh, several years, and we every day we did a video and stuff like this. And it was so funny because that medium is very comment heavy. Um, podcasts are kind of different. Like unless you specifically ask for people to come do something, um, it's hard. Like I got a couple of more iTunes comments this when I was out because people were coming back to check. But like, I didn't realize how many people were actually engaging with it. People I did not know because um, I do have some people I know listen to it because I know them, you know, like I have particularly people I left the church, you know, like the church I left in New York, you know, they just wanted to kind of stay connected and, and they had appreciated my ministry. And so they wanted to be a part of that. Um, but I've heard from many people, even, even you, um, there was another, there's several people that have searched and, cause you know, the search terms of book of common prayer or, you know, morning prayer. And there's just not a lot. I've been so surprised. Like that's one of the reasons I wanted to keep doing it because I was like, I've been really surprised that there's not as much like devotional type, um, uh, you know, prayer times. I think it's hard for people to imagine doing it. Like, you know, I think it's hard to, um, to know how to, to lead people in it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's a different medium, but um, I I think there's so much opportunity. I mean, I think there's so much uh, there and people are very, set in their ways. <laughs> so, you know, they're looking for the exact thing that they've done or whatever. And there's not as much, I don't think, exploration, but I think there is. I just don't think there's as much uh, out there for people to find. So I've been really surprised. Um, so, Ben,
0: I'm wondering what, it, when you think about how all of all of your journey threads together, what are some of the lessons you're really learning as you lead others in worship, in in their spiritual lives.
1: Yeah, I think, I think listening to people. Um, I think that is at the heart of it, you know, it's pastoral. It means just caring for people. Um, when I think about what I was referring to earlier, knowing the people that I'm leading, um, I will never forget. This was, uh, I guess about three years ago, I went on a retreat uh, with, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the couple. They're worship leaders, and they, they wrote the song uh, No Longer Slaves. It's a big uh, song. and They're just big worship leaders. They have a discipleship school for young people. They had a retreat for older people. <laughs> and so I went, and I will never forget him. His name's Jonathan Helser. He sat out. There was 40 people there. And so it was smaller, but still, there's lots a lot of people to interact with. And I just never forget him sitting with me. It was about 45 minutes, an hour, just listening to me. I had never met anybody. This is not just necessarily to puff him up, but it's true. I was so blown away at his intent just listening to me. It was so Christ-like because I could just imagine Jesus being so interested. You know, listen, when we all are guilty of it, we all do it when we're talking to other people, we're thinking of the next thing we're going to say, we're thinking of what we have to do. The Lord spoke to me in that it wasn't just that area. It was just something he was highlighting to me is listening to people really learning their stories, not so that you can use it, not so that you, and that's hard for me as a creative person. I make videos I make testimony videos at our church, you know? So I'm like, Oh wow, your story would do great on our social media channels and our do all this kind of stuff. And that may be true. There's nothing wrong with that. First and foremost, do I engage with people and listen? In our day and age, with phones and distractions, and I just I I've, I find this in myself all the time. I love my phone. I love all the stuff. I love all this. But like, can I put it down and just really, really listen to people? Not with an agenda. Not trying to change their mind. Not to, to me. That's that's how God
0: is with us. It's a gift. It's, it, it is a gift to people. Oh. Um, in my journey, it it led me into coaching. And mm. so I, I work with folks who are developing as leaders and developing new ministries. So yeah. those are both ordained and church workers and laity, yeah. Yeah. but people who really want to be more intentional in their lives of how they're incorporating their faith yeah. into their lives. Yeah. And Listening deeply to people, people tell you what you need to know, mm. um, but it is, it's listening in a way that we can hear it and interpret it and then engage yeah. with that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and to me, ask more questions about it. This is something that I've been trying to, do. not just take something at face value, not because you don't trust them, but just like, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really, I don't really understand that rather than you not know, group in the South, you be polite, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And deep down inside, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It takes love. It, you really have to love someone. I, I use this example a lot in that realm. Um, you know, First Corinthians, you know, you've got 12, 13, 14. 12 and 14 are spiritual gifts, all kinds of things, from the miraculous to the administrative, all these things. He stops in the middle and has First Corinthians 13, some of the greatest literature in, you know, in the history of the world, love is patient, love is kind. He's thinking, I'm going to stop for a second. If you're going to give someone a word of prophecy, if you're going to give someone a word of encouragement, you must love them. Because it's a lot easier not to do it.
0: I like do. this beautiful pause in the middle of that whole section. Yeah. And when I know, when, with people I talk to, when they start to question, "Is God good?" You know, what's what's God like? Yeah. That's where I point them to. You know, yeah. just read this. This this is yeah. a description because yeah. scriptures tell us that God is love, and then yeah. now He's unpacking that. This is what yeah. it looks like.
1: This is what it looks like. Absolutely
0: to me, that emphasizes the, the balance between the being part and the doing part. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just what we do, but what oh, we, yeah. you know, our presence in it of what yeah. we bring to it, because we can do all the right stuff yeah. without the right heart. And it doesn't, it just doesn't translate the same.
1: Oh, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, American culture 101 mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's like, who I am is not what I do. You know, mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, doing is great. I mean, I think that's important. But but you know, I just almost hear the Lord say, "You know, quit, quit doing. Be. be, yeah, just be." I, I, I made you to to be to be. Be, you know. He describes Himself as "I am." You want to know, you know, "I am." That I am, and we're 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 made in His image. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's really powerful.
0: My hope with this podcast is to encourage people who might be feeling some nudge from God but feeling timid about it. Yeah. What encouragement might might you give to them?
1: I, I would just say, step out. Do it imperfectly. Try it in whatever way you, if it's some sort of thing that's in your heart, I, I do love the verse, um, you know, it's a Psalm 37, four. delight yourself in the Lord. and He will give you the desires of your heart. I do believe that. And I do believe that the, the desires in your heart are important to him. And, and I think that the father, he just loves to see,
0: yeah. That's amazing. You know, I think I really believe you could couple that delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. A couple that was Psalm 139. Yeah. And you know, he knit us together and he, yes. he knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Oh. And, when we delight in him, those things that are of him, of course, he wants to manifest that in our lives.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like somebody, somebody explained it, even in your own life where you're looking for breakthrough, or you're trying to break an addiction, or you just think of all the things we're trying to break free of sin. He wants that more than you want it yourself, even if you want it with every fiber of your being. He wants that for you. Like That is an amazing truth. And if we can get in that place rather than Oh, he's upset with me. You know, like we get in this place of condemnation and that's just not who he is. Like read the scripture. That's what the Daily Office will do for you. If that's you, right. You, you just discover he's, he's like Jesus. You want to know what God is like? He's like Jesus. He's the very representation of the Father. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing.
0: So Ben, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they reach you?
1: Yeah, you can, you know, you can find me on all the social media places at Ben Ward Music. If you think Ben Ward Music, Benwordmusic.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but also if you've been more music at gmail.com, if you'd like to send an email, I, it's, that's fine. You can, yeah, I'd love for you to do that. Um, but I'd love to hear from anybody, you know, that, that wants to know more or, you know, or anything like that. I love to hear from people and interact with people and, and, uh, and that kind of thing.
0: Well, I want to say to you, uh, just talking to you for this period of time, it is so evident of your relationship with the Lord mm. and that deep relationship flows out of you in that heart of God that wants to lead others into the presence. I really thank you for that. And I thank you for what you're doing in this morning prayer podcast, uh, because there isn't a lot out there in not that I was looking for just a liturgical tradition, but when I tripped across it, it just something in it felt really right. And so I just want to thank you for that.
1: Thank you for sharing that.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you
1: so much. Great. Great to talk to you today.
0: I really appreciate the way this podcast came to be, beginning through Ben's own personal devotional practices, which he then began recording to share with others. His passion for the Lord comes right through. God is always present and available for us, though it's up to us, to you and me to show up and be open to relating to God. I'm wondering what practices do you have that fuel your own relationship with the Lord? I'd love to hear them please feel welcome to drop me a note in Instagram or Facebook at Faithful Innovation. And if you're enjoying these conversations, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Everything we've mentioned in this episode can be found at faithfulinnovation.com. Just enter Ben or morning prayer in the search and it'll come right up. Our closing song today is one of Ben's originals titled, This Changes Everything. I hope you enjoy it. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.
2: They say it doesn't matter. They say it's out of date. They say that they would rather live a life they can make We say that faith moves mountains We say that sin is real We say that love's a fountain causing all our wounds to heal We believe our Father We believe His Spirit's here We believe Jesus Christ, His Son, is the Lord Serve each other. While.